Martha. <laughs> I'm Justine. And we are the Murder Sisters. Good job. Uh, we took a big break over the summer. We just both had a lot of plans that didn't allow us to record, so... Well, we're back for the fall. I think yeah. we're going to do the same thing next year. Take a summer break. Also, happy birthday, Elisa. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So today, well, <laughs> I'm not going to say how old I am. <laughs> the, um, when we release this, it's going to be Elisa's birthday. Woo -woo. This is episode 44. It is. Yes. And this is actually a listener suggestion. So thank you to Tucker, who wrote in and asked us to cover this case. Why don't you start it off? Or? Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, and the reason why Tucker wanted us to cover this case is that um, it was a friend. So like a friend that went missing. So. Oh, an actual friend? Yeah. Of Tucker's? Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. So. I didn't know. Th personal I didn't know they connection. Were that close. Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's crazy. I think that's what the email said. Yeah. Well, I hope we do this case justice and um we're gonna be rusty it's inevitable yeah it's been a we while always are yeah so here take it away justine here we go justine uh <laughs> sorry so the, like elisa said this is a listener case about a 23 year old woman named molly laura detillo mm -hmm. who disappeared from indianapolis indiana in 2004 so this is a you know older not older i mean not that long ago case but um like eight seven something seven. i don't do math please. i don't either <laughs> although molly has never been found she was legally declared deceased years after her disappearance so for that purpose i'm going to refer to her in past tense mm -hmm. It was like hard to keep up with is and was, but yeah. because she was legally um, declared deceased, we will, you know, I'll treat allow it. Her name mm -hmm. is so. Molly came from a large family and was the youngest sibling of nine. I can't even imagine. I know, but how fun. I or, think. I mean, depending on if your siblings were cool. I think or not. that's a situation where it's like the older kids take care of the younger kids type of thing. If, I don't know. But to me, I'm like, ooh, it's like a party every night. Molly <laughs> was born and raised in Madison, Indiana. And that's located on the Ohio River in Jefferson County. So I guess the Ohio River runs, I don't know. Wild. Right? <laughs> yeah, it runs wild. <laughs> Molly was known as being very friendly and outgoing. She was always a really good student, and her hobbies included running and singing. In fact, she was attending Eastern Kentucky University during the time of her disappearance as a runner on scholarship. Nice. Yeah. She was in her fifth year at uni, <laughs> and uh, she was close to graduating, so it took her a little extra long, but... Same. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I can totally relate. The summer she went missing in 2004, Molly was taking classes at Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yeah, it's like a combination school for Purdue and Indiana, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and she was staying with her brother at the Westlake Apartments in Indi 
Annapolis, Indiana. I know, that's an mouthful. <laughs> I know. I knew I'd struggle with this. So she grew up in Madison, Indiana, was staying with her brother at Westlake Apartments in Indianapolis, Indiana, at the time of her disappearance, attending Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. Nice. Good job. Got it. Flawless. <laughs> Molly also took singing lessons. So, um, and actually prior to her disappearance, she was planning on auditioning for American Idol later that summer. Oh, nice. So she was like honing her skills, getting ready to do an audition. That's cool. Which was really cool. And that also shows that, you know, there were no behaviors prior to her disappearance that set off any alarms, really. Mm -hmm. You know, she was like planning. She was going to school. She had, you know, just future plans in general. She attended all of her classes and lessons and was also at the time applying for jobs. So again, this wouldn't be the behavior of a runaway or someone who was planning on just maybe harming, yeah. harming themselves or anything. It's like, that's kind of what they say is if there are indications of future, future plans. plans. And I know, you know, there are some cases that differ, but in general, it's like she had a lot that she was... Yeah, she didn't go missing because she wanted to go missing. Yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree on that. It was actually the last day to drop classes without pen penalty the day she went missing. So that was one of the many tasks that or things that Molly did um, that day. She dropped three courses, although she attended all of her courses. And, you know, to me, I'm like, wow, taking... Any more than three courses. I mean, three courses and alone like in the summer. summer. It was a summer. Yeah. Which is, that's a lot for a summer course. Like, typically. Because usually those are accelerated. Yeah, they're accelerated. And it's like, maybe like one or two. or, But, um, so she was taking more than three. So I could totally relate to that. It was probably just way too much all at once. So back to July 6, 2004, the day that Molly went missing. That day, a mo Molly attended a class, then she went shopping, and then she walked to Wendy's at around 7 p.m., where she dropped off a job application. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mentioned that she was looking for jobs, applying for jobs. She then walked back to her brother's apartment complex where, um, where she was staying, and on her way back, to the uh, Westlake Apartments, Molly ran into one of her brother's friends, and he was later able to tell police that she had her cell phone with her at that time that mm -hmm. he ran into her. Just like, you know, some oh, note, did she have her phone? Does she keep her phone on her all the time? Mm -hmm. uh, Molly made it to the apartment complex and later that night attended a party there. I'm thinking this was probably a complex that had like, that housed a lot of college students and they were all kind of like hanging mm -hmm. out together. That usually happens in college towns. And it was at this party that Molly first met John E. Shelton. Mm -hmm. Apparently the two hit it off and um, they left the party together to go out on a pond that was located on the apartment complex. So they went out on the mm -hmm. pond in a rowboat. Mm -hmm. So, so romantic. <laughs> let's leave this lame party <laughs> and go row around in a pond they then went to a taco bell that was like fairly close by to get some late night dinner 
and then eventually ended up at a Thornton's gas station, which was about three miles away from the Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. But I will note that this was going in the opposite direction um, of the apartment complex. So basically they were getting further and further away Mm -hmm. from Molly's brothers and John was driving. Mm -hmm. So this is where things get a little, I guess, curious. Although earlier in the night, Molly was seen with her cell phone. She tried to call a friend from a payphone at that gas station, at the Thornton's gas station. But right when the friend answered, the line was disconnected. Weird, right? Molly has never been heard from or seen since. And two days after Molly went missing, her brother reported her disappearance Mm -hmm. to police. Um, I don't know if Elisa's going to get into like why it was two days um he yeah. okay great I all right brush I'll, up on it a little bit okay <laughs> john shelton claimed that he took molly back home but he mm-hmm. did he i don't know mm. who's to say so this is where i'm going to pass it along to my sister okay. all right so like justine said molly's brother had reported molly missing um two days later on july 8th 2004 and the reason why he waited that long is because it wasn't like unusual for her to like not be in contact she had a busy life Mm -hmm. she was out and about and a college student so yeah so it wasn't like unheard of but once he realized that her cell phone and a lot of her other personal belongings including her vehicle had been at his apartment he realized like that's not normal so that's when he decided to call the police uh, marion county police department and report molly missing so officers at marion county police department weren't concerned at all with the fact that no one had seen or heard from molly for days and in their opinion molly was an adult and was allowed to disappear if she chose to do so I mean, we've seen that in so many cases. Yeah, it's like, oh, nauseating to hear it again. Where... And I kind of get it, but then I also don't because you you should listen to the family. Mm-hmm. Like, is this normal? And according to her family, it was not normal. And like so, eliminate that possibility yeah. instead of just saying like, oh, typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they didn't take it seriously and they lost valuable time. And like I said, the most concerning thing, in my opinion, is the fact that Molly had left her car, her wallet, her bank card, her ID, and her cell phone inside her brother's apartment. I mean, if that doesn't say, like, something's wrong, yeah, you know, then mm-hmm. I don't know what does. And so Molly's oldest brother, his name is Ben, he said that he felt that the police didn't take Molly's disappearance seriously because he felt that they viewed her as being, like, a party girl with problems and he also said that the police literally told him that Molly was not a priority to, to them. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, could you imagine like going to the police and saying like my family member's missing and they're like, you know what? They're not important enough for us to yeah. look for him. It's them. just so, not a priority. Yeah. It's like that's a human being that. <laughs> it's so messed up. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and her brother also said that at one point. So I'm saying her oldest brother, Ben, this brother is not the one she lived with. The one that she lived with was the second oldest. Yeah. So, okay. Just to yeah. Clarify. Uh-huh. Because remember, she's the yeah. youngest of nine siblings. So there's so, a lot of. Um, it's absolutely like just not okay the way they treated this from the get go. 
And to make it worse, like her brother Ben said that at one point, one of the officers had mentioned that she might be working the streets or dancing at a strip club. What? And it's like, uh, okay. This student who's like, she's taking yeah, singing she took lessons. She's to... a runner and she's a yeah college student. Makes no sense. So typically we discuss the di- disappearance and the search in some detail. However, with Molly's case, there was nothing. I mean, they just yeah. didn't even attempt to question potential witnesses for an entire year after Molly went missing. Wow. Oh, my. So, I had no idea. I don't know if this is a situation where the police department was overly swamped or, you know, what, but waiting an entire year That's to question people and the disappearance of a young college student when her family is saying something is wrong, it's just not acceptable. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And like, pull in other resources if you're being stretched too thin. Or just look. Yeah. Talk to people. Or just have a conversation. Yeah. Um, and to make matters even worse, both Ben and their cousin, so this is Molly and Ben's cousin, her name is Carrie, and Carrie was a Los Angeles reporter, and she also played an integral part in getting Molly's Law passed, which I'll cover at the very end of this episode, but both Ben and Carrie had both said that police were not only not working the case, but they had told the family on multiple occasions that they would stop working Molly's case altogether if they didn't stop trying to get in the way. Oh, and it's like, you already have stopped, first of all, but yeah, second of all. I mean, they didn't even start. Wow. So it's, yeah, it's really weird. Marion County police were not only keep not keeping Molly's family members in the loop regarding the case, but they were being downright aggressive whenever the family asked for updates or did anything that most police departments would find helpful For example, um, six weeks after Molly disappeared, her cousin Carrie, the reporter, came to the area from Los Angeles um, to organize a run in Molly's name. And during that run, five officers from Marion County arrived and let them know that they weren't happy with the fact that they set this run up. I don't know why. Whoa. I have no idea why. It's weird. And another way in which Marion County Police dropped the ball was the lack of searching of Molly's car or apartment. And again, her older brother, Ben, was actually the one that searched her car to look for potential evidence because the police didn't do it. That is so frustrating. I cannot even imagine. Um, So let's getting back to the fact that Molly didn't have her belongings with her, including her cell phone, which we know she had at around seven o'clock ish. So she must have dropped it back off at her brother's apartment sometime between coming home from Wendy's when she saw her brother's friend and the party, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So um, this would make sense since Molly used a gas station phone to try and call her friend that same night around 11 p.m. I know it seems odd to people now, but like back in 2004, phones didn't really do anything. Yeah, that's I mean, they so made phone true. calls and they were not glued to. They, they you aren't at, like. Yeah, that's a, that's a very very good. So point. it's not that weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, since there was no investigation or real search done for Molly by officers, I'm just gonna jump right into suspects. Okay, and for yeah. me, there is only one. Yeah, <laughs> and his I think name I... is John Shelton. Oh. Yeah, really? so like Justine said, that's the man that Molly had spent time with the night that she went missing. 
if we look at the timeline of their activities, we know that the two went on a boat ride in the pond on the Westlake apartment complex property, which they had access to the boat because John's brother, Benji, was he worked at the apartment complex. So he had access to that. Oh, my gosh. So, so he's like, hey, I, I've got access to a rowboat. Yeah, I know. It's so lame. After the boat ride, the two drove to Taco Bell, like Justine said, to grab a bite to eat in John's vehicle. And then after the ta- Taco Bell trip is where things kind of get weird. Instead of heading back to the apartment complex where they were both staying, the two traveled past the complex and a couple of miles in the opposite direction from their that apartment complex. We're not sure why. And another odd thing is when they stopped at the Thorntons, like Justine said, and Molly made the phone call to her friend, and that was around 11 p.m. And again, like Justine said, the friend said that almost immediately when they answered, the line went dead. So, and that's the last time anyone heard from Molly. And when police finally did get around to questioning John, he said that he dropped her off, which whatever. I don't believe him. Um, my, (laughs) my thoughts on this are that something went wrong after the stop at Taco Bell and John was heading away from the apartment complex to take Molly somewhere secluded to do something to her. Mm -hmm. Maybe Molly was able to talk John into stopping at the Thornton's gas station to like use the bathroom. And then she tried to sneak off and make a phone call to her friend and he caught her and like cut the line point. Um, but you know. I'm like, why didn't she call the police? Yeah. Or why didn't she tell someone that worked there? Like, this guy has me. We don't know. And, you know, maybe she knew that friend's number by heart. I know very few numbers by heart. Yeah. I don't even know your cell phone number. That's so true. (laughs) I I couldn't tell you. (laughs) Um, I don't even. Yeah. Like I said, I don't even know Justine's. Um, Anyway, after the whole phone call incident, I think that John got violent with Molly and got her back into his vehicle where he drove out of the area. I believe he sexually assaulted her, killed her, probably manual strangulation, which that's I'll go into the reason why in a little bit. Um, And then I think he disposed of her body somewhere out of the area. And he had all the time in the world. Because to dispose no of her one... body because no one was looking for her. Yeah. You know, except for her family. So John Shelton has a troubling past. And according to multiple ex-girlfriends of his, like in adulthood and in high school, they said that he had a tendency to change into a different person when he was drinking. And he would often choke them and rape them if they refused to have sex with him. Whoa. So that's why I believe that the... You know, the sexual assault and the manual strangulation Mm -hmm. are very Mm -hmm. reasonable, you know, just conclusions to make. And he has, I can't even tell you, I like wrote out starting in 1992 is when his record began. And And this happened in 2004. mm -hmm. Wow. And he was charged. Yeah. (laughs) He was charged um, in 1992 with receiving stolen property. And then in 93, he was charged with theft and criminal mischief. And then 94, he was arrested for beating his wife. And then in 1995... Wait, so he was older. What do you mean? Like, beating his wife? That was in... 1994. Okay. Um, Because Molly was like 22, right? Yeah. 
So when, so how many years before she went missing was that? So I'm just saying like he was older than her. He wasn't like a college student. You didn't say how old he was? No, sorry. Okay. <laughs> how old is he? All right. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I'm leaving that I'm up like, to you. Oh, no, no, no. Because. Okay, well, we'll get back to it. Um, so 1994, arrested for beating his wife. 95, more theft plus operating a vehicle while intoxicated. And then again, later in 1995, he was arrested another time for beating his wife. He was arrested again in 96 for like leaving the scene of an accident. And then in September 2004, which is two months after Molly went missing, he was arrested again for driving with a suspended license. And then again, four days after that for driving on a suspended license. So in 2008, he was arrested for two counts of theft and fraud. Plus, he had a, a habitual offender label attached to his record, and he was sentenced to 776 days in jail. And while he was in jail in 2008, serving that sentence, the Dottillo family filed a civil suit against both John and his father, Edward. Because they believed that Edward helped John dispose of or bury Molly's body after John had m- murdered her. So the point of the civil suit was to get information from John and Edward regarding Molly and the night sh- sh- that she went missing. However, neither of them appeared. And by default, the Tatillos won. And part of the win required the Marion County Police Department to turn over a log sheet of information and evidence relating to Molly's case, specifically when it came to John. And they were ordered to turn it over to the family within 30 days of the ruling. But Marion County Police Department never did that. And they were also told by the Marion County Police that if they kept that if they kept pursuing it and requesting the records, then they would again stop working her case. Jeez. Uh, so this is like I it's so weird it's like I don't know what is going on here it could be that they had a lot of information that they didn't want the family to know and they're just waiting for something so they could arrest him yeah yeah but that's being optimistic I don't yeah that's giving them the benefit of the doubt for sure and then so he you know he had after he got out of jail in 2008 after serving that sentence or he got out after 2008 but he was yeah okay Uh, He had a few more arrests and included in that was a permanent suspension of his license, which I didn't even know they did. Oh, wow. Forever. He got caught so many many times driving with a suspended license. And even after they permanently suspended it, he got caught two more times. Yeah, because it's like he's driving. John's going to do what John wants to do. And it's like, I don't know how many people or how someone can get arrested that many times and like just not go to jail run free for, yeah yeah a close family member of john's said that in high school some of john's girlfriends and i mentioned this earlier had said that john got rough with them and choked them and he said uh this family member who was unnamed he didn't want to be named mm-hmm. said that john always tried to give off a tough guy ladies man kind of vibe to people and yeah. that there were rumors amongst their family that john did it Uh, According to this family member, he said he overheard John and his brother Benji talking about the Westlake Apartments Pond, as well as 
another property that was located in a different county called Morgan County that I guess their father Edward and his brothers had spent a lot of time at when they were kids and they were very familiar with the property. So this family member said that the family thinks that, or some members of the family think that John killed Molly, then called his dad Edward to help him get rid of the body and that Edward took him to that property in Morgan County that he was so familiar with and helped him get rid of her. Whoa. So... Of course, the police never searched the area. Yeah, and that's what this family member said. He was like, they need to search. They need to search that property. (sighs) Um, And so, like, even though John's arrests were mostly related to driving without a license, he did, I mean, he was arrested twice for abusing his wife. Mm -hmm. And he, we know from girlfriends that he would choke them and sexually assault them. And, you know, I... That's probably what happened to Molly. I yeah. mean, I think he was hoping to like hook up with her. And when she realized that she tried to get out of the situation. Yeah. Yep. But I think John got her back in the car somehow. I mean, it could have, he could have had I'll a gun. Take you I mean, who knows what? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And then he drove her out somewhere secluded and uh, raped and killed her. He could have maybe not meant to have killed her, but who knows? And then I also, like a lot of people think, I think he made a call to his dad, Edward. Mm -hmm. And I even think he probably maybe could have possibly asked his brother, Benji, for help. So has anyone talked to Benji? We don't know. No one has. The family member that was willing to like speak Speak up yeah, said that like Edward has nobody has been able to find him for years wow so he just took off and he like no one could find him oh my gosh so no one's talked to him obviously and then I don't know if somebody talked to the brother like we don't yeah yeah and so you know I don't I think they need to go out to that property in Morgan County definitely search it it's like given to them on a silver platter basically And so I did mention earlier that the cousin Carrie helped get Molly's law passed. And according to the Medium website, which we love, they (laughs) said in 2007, after a lengthy process and legal fight for change, Molly's law was passed. The Molly Molly Dottillo law requires law enforcement to accept missing persons report immediately and identifies those as high risk. The law also offers annual missing persons training for police departments. And there's also a portion of that law, of Molly's law, that requires that any offender convicted of an animal abuse crime be placed on a registry. Mm-hmm. And that was launched in Janu- on January 1st, 2017. And this online database allows citizens, pet sellers, and rescue organizations to verify that they are not placing an animal within an abuser like abusive household yeah um that's good (laughs) yeah I thought yeah it is a nice little addition and something else to note is that Molly's family did have a southern Indiana court declare her legally dead in 2017 like uh, Justine mentioned that also and I don't know if it was just for closure Mm -hmm. or what yeah legal maybe too it's like yeah so, and maybe they were hoping that by doing that, they'd be able to charge. That's very true, too. That's you know, a good point. Yeah. Maybe it was, that was their end game. I don't know. Um, but anyway, that concludes 
the, the case of Molly Dottillo. Yeah. So again, thank you, Tucker, for writing in and suggesting that we cover this case. I hadn't heard of it. Pro- pro- I hadn't the- either. Yes. Hearing from Tucker. So thank you, Tucker. And what are you th- your thoughts? Jess? I definitely think it was John. And I think you really did a good job at like painting a picture of what could have possibly happened and mm-hmm. probably happened. And especially like learning about his background, I think it was sexually motivated. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, she didn't want that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I think he, you know, did either like like you mentioned, um, either accidentally killed her or purposely because he had raped her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for sure. I mean, he's the last one to be to see her. Mm-hmm. And. So it's just like so beyond disappointing that the police didn't take this more seriously. And that now, how many years later, we're still, we still don't have answers. Not, not we, but their family, Molly's family doesn't have answers. And something to note, her dad, um, the oldest brother, Ben said that this absolutely crushed her dad and he has passed away since she went missing but yeah he said it was Mm. devastating to him in particular so yeah yeah (laughs) yeah thank you guys for listening thank you and so we will see See you you. in a couple weeks you'll hear from us in yeah bi-weekly yes (laughs) look look we haven't we have a schedule that's great news (laughs) that's great great. all right thanks bye Thank you.